Hey folks, thanks for joining us for Travel and Trivia's Winter Special, a podcast for curious travelers eager to embark on their next adventure. Greetings, trivia junkies. Welcome to the second installment of our special four-season episodes. Winter. Love it, hate it, deal with it. Of all the seasons, I would argue it's the most polarizing. Everyone can agree, fall is pretty, summer is warm, and spring, well, let's not talk about spring. In today's episode, we'll dive deep into the snow in an attempt to find the very best parts of this otherwise brutal season. Don't worry if you're from a nice warm spot down south, you'll be sure to enjoy today's episode as you laugh at the struggles of the rest of the country. A reminder, there will be just over 30 seconds to answer each question. So, if you're impatient like me, feel free to skip ahead. Without further ado, and before it gets much colder, let's begin. Question 1. Regardless of where you may be situated in the U.S., we can all agree that winter can be cold, at least relatively speaking. Personally, we try to embrace the cold here in Michigan and take part in a multitude of winter activities. I'm all for a cold day, but temperature extremes can be downright dangerous if you aren't prepared. On January 20th, 1954, the mercury dropped to a bone-chilling negative 70 degrees below zero, unadjusted for wind chill. What state in the continental U.S. was this record-breaking temperature recorded? A. North Dakota B. Minnesota C. Montana D. Idaho And the answer is C, Montana. This record low temperature extreme was recorded at Rogers Pass, north of Helena. Assuming there was even a little bit of wind that day, frostbite would occur on exposed skin in under a minute. It goes without saying, but it's imperative to be prepared during winter, especially when traveling. Extra clothes, blankets, and emergency gear in the event of a breakdown may just save your life one day. Question 2. True or false? The old adage is correct. No two snowflakes will ever be exactly alike. And the answer is true. But let's toss an asterisk next to this one. Trillions of snowflakes fall each year, and the odds of two flakes forming the same intricate and complicated design in the same way is considered impossible. However, if you went into this question thinking on the atomic level, I'd give it to you, as it is true that all snowflakes are made of hydrogen and oxygen atoms. Scientists estimate that there are 10 to the 158th power of snowflake possibilities. That's roughly 10 to the 70th power more designs than there are atoms in the known universe. Question 3. 
We live in an age of reinvention in the movie industry. Remakes and remasters are taking up more screen time than ever before. It seems as though Christmas movies are especially guilty of this. How many Tim Allen starring Santa Claus movies does a person really need? While thousands of Christmas movies have hit the box office over the years, one reigns supreme as the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time. Is it A. The Grinch 2018? B. How the Grinch Stole Christmas 2000 Remake? C. Home Alone 1990? Or D. Elf 2003? This one may surprise you, and the answer is the newest movie on the list, the 2018 computer-animated Christmas comedy, The Grinch. Since its release, the movie has grossed over $500 million. The top 10 Christmas movies that follow include Home Alone, Home Alone 2, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the one we all love starring Jim Carrey, A Christmas Carol, 2009, The Polar Express, released in 2004, Love Actually in 2003, Elf 2003 as well, The Holiday 2006 rom-com, and The Santa Claus 1994. Is your favorite on the list? Question 4. Each winter, New York City's Rockefeller Center hosts the world's most famous Christmas tree. Each year, some 125 million people will visit this beautiful tree and millions more will watch televised events featuring its festive branches. The tree itself has grown over the years, not only symbolically, but also physically. In 1931, the first ever Christmas tree erected was a mere 20 feet tall. Today, the center has seen towering trees as high as 100 feet. What tree species has been selected to be placed in the Rockefeller Center more than any other? Is it A, Norway pine? B. White spruce, C. Balsam fir, or D. White pine. And the answer is by a landslide Norway pine. While several white spruces and balsam firs graced Rockefeller Center during the early days, the Norway pine emerged as the clear front runner and has remained the tree of choice since the 1982 holiday season. While the lighting ceremony has already occurred for this year's tree, mark your 2023 calendar for November 29th and join thousands in Rockefeller Center to welcome the most wonderful time of the year. Question 5. Snow and winter sports are important pastimes to establish. If you can't beat winter, you might as well enjoy it. Skiing, snowboarding, and ice skating are activities a lot of us can say we've at least tried during the winter doldrums. Some people, however, take their love of the winter sports to the extreme. 
A lucky few are selected to represent the country every four years during the Winter Olympics. The U.S. has been fortunate to host the Winter Olympics four separate times, with the latest being the 2002 Games. What U.S. city is the only one to have hosted the Winter Olympics twice? Hint, it might just take a miracle to get this one right. And the answer is Lake Placid, New York, who hosted the 1932 and 1980 games. As for the hint, I'm referring to the 1980 Miracle on Ice hockey game, where an underdog USA team made up of mostly collegiate athletes won the gold medal over the then USSR. If you're interested in Olympic history and would enjoy a quaint mountain town situated in the heart of the Adirondack Mountains, I highly recommend you visit. Question 6. True or false? When it's cold outside, most of your body heat is lost through your head. And the answer is false. That's right, this age-old saying that so many adhere to is not based in fact. In the 1950s, the military conducted an experiment that exposed subjects to freezing temperatures. The results conducted that 40 to 50% of all body heat was lost through the head. But this experiment was flawed. The participants' head were the only things exposed to the cold air. In reality, the head makes up about 10% of the body's total surface area and thus should contribute to about that much heat loss. Researchers at the Utah School of Medicine suggest that the main reason this saying hasn't lost traction is that people often go outside clothed but neglect to wear a hat. So no wonder it would appear as though your heat is coming right out the top of your head. Make sure to bundle up your entire body this winter and you should stay nice and toasty warm. Why isn't it? Oh, oh, there it is. There it is. I, we were so zoomed out. I couldn't see it. Oh, I touched that mouse again. We're on an absolute tear right now. Why, Chloe? Because we're going on vacation. <laughs> I was hoping you'd catch my drift there. <laughs> the drift. Do you get it with the uh, oh, snow? Yeah. Yeah. We'll be heading to Mexico here. Should we not announce that over? What are the odds that one of our listeners happens to be a serial burglar? Somebody's watching the house anyway. Buzz off. But we'll be going to Mexico here for four days. Puerto Vallarta, which I should make Chloe say since she does Duolingo like it's going out of style. I mostly am doing it so I can get better at understanding it and reading it. I suck at talking. No, what happens is we'll be watching one of our shows together or whatever, or one of my shows, and she's kind of not paying attention too much. And I'll just hear like, Donde esta? Como es? And I'm like, are you playing Spanish over there right now? 
You treat it like it's a game and it's not. I'm learning. It is a game. It literally has a little main character owl guy. Yeah. And you have to compete every week to try to get the most points. And let me tell you, I've been in the top three every week. Yeah. And every time you pass a level, you move along like it's Candy Crush. Don't tell me it's not a game. It's tricking you into somewhat knowing Spanish. Yes. And I've gotten a lot better than Anyway, welcome to the seventh. Wow, that was rough. This is our second one of the day. We recorded next week's episode already, even though that doesn't quite make sense in the podcast world, but time is relative. Welcome to the seventh question stretch, winter special edition. Woo! What do you want me to start off by saying? Seth, what is your favorite season? Oh my gosh, you kill me, Chloe, with these <laughs> questions. If you would have Listen to what I already had recorded in the intro, which you never do. You would know that I said, we can all agree, fall is pretty. Summer is warm. Spring, let's not talk about spring. And winter, we're here to tell you that it's not all bad. As we get on a plane in three days to leave. And there's supposed to be a snowstorm on the day we fly off. Hypocrites! <laughs> right, so bye snow. But... I mean, winter, winter, it's not all bad. I mean, we're going to touch on some things here today. I think some kind of serious, important things, which we don't usually we're a little bit more silly in the seventh question stretch, but things that should probably be said, Um, especially if you are coming to a place and you're not used to the type of weather that winter brings um, in the Midwest or North, really anywhere over there. Yeah. So. One thing that I thought that I did well was dress warm and wear a lot of layers, <laughs> but I recently got some wool clothing and it is literally a game changer. I don't know why I waited so long to get them, <laughs> but um, if you're looking at getting some warm base layers, highly recommend First Light. Ooh, shout out. Are we, can we work a sponsorship out of that? Jeez. They run a sale a couple times a year, uh, Father's Day, Black Friday. Usually it's like a 30, 40% off. They've been running a lot of deals lately, honestly. But here's the thing. You get what you pay for, especially in quality of clothing. Now I say that, but then again, there's like Supreme t-shirts that are thousands of dollars. No, I'm not talking about that garbage. I'm talking about like actual technical uh, base layers and outerwear. It's a get what you pay for game. And here's the deal. If you do have to pay... Let's say a base layer set is going to run you a hundred and some dollars. We'll just kind of round it into that range. You're not going to have to go buy again and again and again and again. These base layers that you were probably buying before and buying new ones because you're like, wow, these don't work. Or I have to wear 25 layers to stay as warm as I can wearing two layers of merino wool and some type of outer shell. Yes. Right, Chloe? Yes. Now I know the importance of it. And leave the cotton socks at the door, please. You don't step into my house with them cotton socks in wintertime. Yes, I'm excited. I hopefully am getting some nice, thick, darn tough socks for Christmas. Another shout out. Let's might as well just turn this into a sponsorship podcast. I've touched on this in a blog post on our website, but it should be said and again and again. Darn Tufts are definitely one of the best wool sock brands out there, and they are made in Vermont, USA. That should be enough in itself to make you want to go that way with them. But they offer a lifetime guarantee if you wear through your sock, and that's anything happening to them. If it's wear in the heel from putting on 2,000 miles, all you got to do is send your socks back to them. You send them a picture, and there's like a little form. And they will take your old sock. They're going to study kind of what, what went wrong with it because they're looking to get better and they're going to send you a new pair. Who else does that, Chloe? I, I have no idea. <laughs> no one. No one. <laughs> it was a trick question in a way. 
So yeah. Literally currently wearing the darn tough socks. Literally, literally currently also wearing the darn tough socks right now. I got the thicker pair on. Oh yeah. That was good. I liked, I liked that little start off there. Chloe came up with that part. I like that. Well, thank you. Now, um, another thing to talk about is driving when there's snow on the roads. Michigan's normally pretty good about clearing off the roads and getting salt on the roads, but there's only so much you can do if it is snowing pretty hard. I've been guilty of this already this year. I'll admit to it. Um, we got a few inches of snow and you get that little bit of pack on the road and they can't quite scrape it off. You know what I'm talking about, Chloe? Mm-hmm. And I got in the habit of driving just kind of like I normally did. And maybe I was going a little slower, but I went to stop to pull into the driveway at my parents' house. And I just kind of kept going past the driveway. <laughs> Luckily, there was like no cars and like no reason that I had to like get in there right this second. So I scooted past it. I backed up like 10 feet and then I pulled in. But in like a more serious situation, deer runs out in front of you, you know, anything else and other cars having trouble. You've got to be cognizant of perhaps your brakes not working how you would anticipate uh, traveling at slower speeds, learning how to drive a little bit in the snow, throttle out. (laughs) The thing that always freaks me out is slush. But again, if you're going at a good speed, that's not like ridiculous. And generally it's going to be lower than the speed limit. So I don't want people to be like, oh, but you're going lower than the speed limit. Yeah. You got to be safe. (laughs) And you should have good tires. It almost yes. Shout out Ethan. Yeah. It goes without saying. If you're if you got racing slicks from that you've been getting away with in the summer, and you go into wintertime, you're gonna know in the first slush when you're getting pulled out of the ditch. So either switch over to the winters or do a good uh, all season, all terrain, something like that. You'd be all right. And another good thing, if you know you're going to travel in the area, know you're going to be on the road for a while. It's always good to check the weather beforehand. So maybe if there's a storm coming, maybe. Maybe leave a couple hours before or after you were originally planning just to be safer. And that way, um, hopefully you keep everyone else on the road safer too. Just being more aware, I guess. Solid. I like that, Chloe. Okay, enough of the the lecturing and whatnot. I think we can go ahead and get into what makes winter special or how we've made winter special. I think this this one that you got written down here that I'm looking at, I'm going to kind of switch around a little bit, but I see what you're getting at is these places that we go in the uh, summertime, fall, spring, revisit those places in the winter because it is a totally different experience. I mean, talk about the one that you spelled horrendously wrong first. <laughs> Autocorrect. Taquamanon <laughs> Falls in the UP. Uh I don't think I've ever, I've never been there other than the winter, but anyway, it was very pretty and we saw maybe like three other people and we got to bring the dogs. So that was cool. Or just dog, just thunder. <laughs> yeah, It was just thunder back then, but yes, it, it's, it's definitely a different vibe when you visit someplace in the winter time, usually not as big a crowds. Um, in the waterfall example, uh, might be frozen, you know, you never know like what the scene's quite going to be. And, there's nothing quite as like calming and quiet as like some fresh snowfall. I remember when we went, you had just like the roar of the falls was the only thing you could hear. And then you like get away from the falls and it's just like fresh snow. It's super quiet. It's peaceful. I like it. I like it a lot. Then you've got winter sports. And we make the most of those. And sports is going to be a very broad category here for me. I'm going to throw in ice fishing. 
It's a big one. Snowmobiling. That's something that my family participates in quite a bit. Snowshoeing. Um, skiing, snowboarding. I know a lot of people love that. It's just never been something that I've gotten into too much. Do you want to touch on your last experience snowboarding? I don't know if I went a time after that, but so yeah, we'll give a little bit of backstory here. Basically, our coaches in college had this rule that like you could go snowboarding and skiing as much as you wanted until you got hurt and then you could never go again, which is kind of fair. They have an investment in you and you know, everything else and don't be dumb. So I decided to go snowboarding. For the first time in like, it had been years at that point. And keep in mind, I was, it had been years and I was a different person then than I was before. We'll just say that uh, body wise and everything. And um, I get on a snowboard, managed to get up somehow on the chairlift and get off the chairlift. I couldn't decide if I was a goofy snowboarder, something like left-handed and weird, or if I was more of the, I think it's called regular. I don't even know. But apparently you can flip one way or the other, like what your lead foot is. I wasn't sure. So the guy asked me, I'm just like, I don't know if set me up with something. So I got my big old boots on and I'm up there. I got a helmet. Thank goodness I got a helmet. And we get up to the top of this thing. And granted, this is in Hancock, uh, Michigan. So I'm going to say this hill might be, gosh, if it's 700 feet tall, it might, that might be a stretch. But we looked down in this center bowl and it might as well have been, we might as well have been in Telluride, Colorado or wherever the heck they have. <laughs> Vale, wherever Breckenridge, you know, for my uh, snow sports people, I mean, it was it was massive and it was steep, and I'm like, ooh, not really sure. Uh, like it was it was so steep to the point where if you if you fell forward, you would feel like you would just like fall off. That's what it felt like to me anyway. So I start down, kind of scooting on my butt a little bit to get used to like carving back and forth and. You know, after a few minutes, we were still making our way down that same hill, but I was kind of starting to feel it back and forth. Now, what I didn't mention was one of my friends went with me, my old college roommate, Woody. Look him up if you want to, I don't know, DM him. I guess I get in trouble for that from Chloe. Anyway, he's, he decides to ski, and I believe, he, I might be wrong here, but this was his first time skiing ever. He's about in the same boat as I am, not really knowing what's going on, and we probably should have started at some type of bunny hill and not getting on the big chairlift and going up to the top and figuring it out on the way bottom. I had taken off first. As I say take off, I was doing the little back and forth, getting my bearings a little bit, and I am probably about halfway down and I look up the hill and I'll remember this probably for the rest of my life till I get dementia. What is wrong with you? You never know. You never know. I look up the hill and an absolute rocket, a missile is coming at me. We're not talking any pizza-ing or stopping of any sort. I don't think he knew that that was a thing at that point. He was downhill in the most downhill way. He looked like one of those people, you know, when they hit that big jump and they like fly. He was just straight. And I'm like, oh my gosh, someone's going to die. So he goes zooming by me like he's Clark Griswold on the, <laughs> on the super slick uh, sled. And oh gosh, it had been about 50 yards later. I see him completely wipe out yard sale, everything everywhere. And like his skis and everything are just continuing down the hill. <laughs> and he's just laying there. So we come up on him. He was fine. Luckily, it was, it was an experience. Did I go again? I did go again and I fell. That's the story Chloe wants me to tell. I used to have a metal wallet for some reason. I still have a kind of metal wallet. 
and I put it in my chest pocket of this Carhartt coat that I had. I looked goofy out there. I didn't have like uh, snowboarding cool gear. So I'm wearing a pair of stonewash jeans and I had like a base layer on underneath of them. I had this big Carhartt jacket on. People were like, who's guy in stonewash jeans? He's awesome. And nobody said that. So I'm getting a little confidence at this point, and I'm actually like taking some pretty decent runs for where we're at. I go over this little, it was unassuming. This is why it got me. It was nice hill, and then all of a sudden there was a little like whoop-de-doo, just like whoop, whoop, whoop. And on that whoop, whoop, on the top part of that whoop, whoop, okay, I wasn't ready. I wasn't down in on my knees. I was up. So I actually caught like a little bit of air, flipped up, landed. I swear all of my weight, which at that time was a fair amount, went right into my chest directly on that wallet. I thought like I felt like I had been shot in the chest. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm having a heart attack. But then I did like one of those feels like, oh, oh, where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? And I feel my wallet right there. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Sucked, but I'm going to live. I think I probably have some bruised ribs. Probably shouldn't be doing this. Like I've been doing it, but I'm here. It was, it's all for the experience. That was way longer than the story than I should have told. But anyway. So one thing that's nice about winter in the Midwest is generally you have a white Christmas, which I think makes it, I don't know, it feels more like Christmas and the Christmas music I feel like is more relatable because a lot of it involves snow. I like that. Also quick uh, explanation for um, our listeners of any religion or belief. We're going to talk about Christmas because that's our deal, but any other holiday, perfectly fine. Another thing that's cool. um, Shout out to Sus grandma. Uh, Christmas lights, big thing. (laughs) (laughs) She does an awesome display. Now I grew up always seeing this during the wintertime. So I just kind of assumed everybody's grandma went just all out on lights. I mean, we're talking, she has eight reindeer, the Santa spread house completely decked. Now she's big into those blow up, like the snow globes and the life size and bigger Santa Claus people and stuff. And it's not just, it's not just Christmas. She starts before Halloween. She goes Halloween spread. And then tears a little bit of it down so it's more acceptable for like Thanksgiving spread. And then sometime in between there, right around Thanksgiving, boom, it's Christmas full go. And when we have a nice fresh bit of snow and she has her lights on at night, that's Christmas to me. Like if I think about Christmas, that's it. Pulling up to my grandparents' house. Oh. And, and now, now back, back to, to the, the trivia. trivia. Question seven. We're back with our wacky laws question of the week, winter edition. I'll provide a list of wild winter laws and your job will be to spot the phony. Good luck. A. In Roseville, Michigan, it is illegal to warm your car up in your driveway during extremely cold temperatures. B. In Provo, Utah, throwing snowballs and causing physical damage to a person or property is a misdemeanor. C. In Nevada, it's illegal to drop any items from the chairlift while partaking in winter sports. D. It is illegal to save parking spots on snow-covered streets in New York City. is D. 
It is not illegal to save yourself a parking spot on snowy streets in New York City, but you'd better not take that same mindset to Philly. On the streets of Philadelphia, the tradition of saving winter spots by any means necessary, leaving household items, cones, etc., has been deemed illegal by the police department. This ban is aimed to prevent fights and acts of vandalism that had occurred regularly due to the spot saving. I say let them snowball fight it out. To the victor goes the spoils. Question 8. True or false? Monarch butterflies go dormant each winter and emerge in the spring to breed and pollinate flowering plants around the continental U.S. Answer is false. Monarchs are one of the few insect species in the world that embark on a migration that will take them thousands of miles each year. In the summer, monarchs breed and prosper throughout much of the U.S. and into Canada. But when the days start to shorten, they begin to head for greener pastures. Monarchs east of the Rocky Mountains head to an extremely isolated spot in the mountains of central Mexico. Generally, monarchs west of the Rockies head to the coast of California but there is some mixing along the mountain range. So does a monarch from Maine end up in the same spot as one from Montana? Well, a combination of compasses and genetics certainly helps. These butterflies migrate during the day and are known to use the sun as a compass. In addition, studies have shown that the monarchs also make use of a magnetic compass to help orient during days of low sun visibility. Interestingly, studies have also revealed a genetic element. A single gene, collagen 4-alpha-1, showed a high divergence between the populations that migrate and those that don't. This gene is important for muscle functions and implicates sections of different flight muscles between migrating monarchs and non-migrating populations. Question 9. In 2008, the town of Bethel, Maine set out to construct a giant. With plenty of snow on the ground, it was time to partake in one of the greatest winter traditions, building a snowman. This town, however, was shooting for the record books. They would go on to build the largest snowman ever recorded. How tall was it? A. 27 feet B. 38 feet C. 51 feet or D, 122 feet. And the answer is D, 122 feet tall. And if I'm being honest, it more closely resembled a snow woman with sloping sides rather than a more traditional stack of spheres. Regardless, 122 feet is ridiculous. That's 11 stories tall. Olympia, the snow woman, was so big that she wore a 100-foot scarf 
had two 27-foot trees for arms, eyelashes made out of skis, and wreaths for eyes. Her carrot nose was eight feet long, tall enough to reach the ceiling in most homes. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, no one has beaten it since. If you're up for the challenge, give it your best shot. Question 10. What is the term for a state of dormancy that some endotherms enter during the cold winter months? And the answer is hibernation. A wide array of warm-blooded mammals use this tactic to survive the harsh winter months in hostile places across the U.S. When thinking of hibernation, it's common to think of the most widely popularized hibernator, the bear. However, hibernation comes in all shapes, sizes, and qualities. Hibernation and torpor are two terms used interchangeably, but there is a key difference. During hibernation, an animal enters into a deep sleep and cannot wake up under any condition. During torpor, the animal remains inactive and less disturbed. When you toss in the fact that many hibernating animals wake from time to time to eat, urinate, or defecate, the lines can become blurred. Regardless of what you prefer to call it, this unique adaptation has allowed many species to prosper throughout a wide variety of unique environments. In the event of a tie, or if you're looking to earn a little extra credit, here's today's snowy bonus question. According to an article posted by Fox Weather in 2022, seven major cities sit high atop a mound of snow as the snowiest cities in the U.S. Name two of them. And the answers are Anchorage, Alaska, Flagstaff, Arizona, Boulder, Colorado, Buffalo, New York, Rochester, New York, Erie, Pennsylvania, and Syracuse, New York. All of these major cities receive over 75 inches of snow each year, with Syracuse claiming the number one spot at 127.8 inches or just shy of 11 feet of snow. Let's hold on for just a second, shall we, as I put some respect on the name of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Having lived in Houghton for half of my adult life, I can say without question there is simply not a snowier place than the Keweenaw. Uniquely situated on a narrow peninsula surrounded by the open waters of Lake Superior has proved to be a recipe for unimaginable snowfall each winter. From October to April of last year, the Keweenaw received 325.6 inches of snow, more than twice that of the highest city on this list. Call it a Christmas miracle, or accept that she's just that smart. 
Chloe did extremely well this week with a 7 out of 10 and 1 for 2 in the bonus. Some would call that half a point. Alright folks, that concludes our winter special of Travel and Trivia. I hope you enjoyed testing your knowledge and maybe even pick some up along the way. If you enjoyed today's episode, feel free to leave us a review. Please. If you would like to learn more about the topics discussed in today's episode, check the references linked in our show notes. And if you constantly find yourself wondering what are our show notes, I just mean if you click on our podcast and you see the big paragraph of everything that's going on for the podcast, there are clickable links there. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel to see our latest vlog videos and tune into our social media to see what we're up to day to day. You're not going to want to miss next week. Chloe and I decided to do something extra special for the final podcast of 2022. We hope you'll enjoy it, but I'm not ruining the surprise now. You'll have to tune in. As always, we at Travel Down Wander wish you well on your next adventure. You'll only ever regret the trips you don't take.